You're listening to Comedy Central. May 10th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. is a Democratic congressman from Texas. Joaquin Castro is joining us, everyone. But first, over the past few weeks, you may have noticed a lot of stories about black people getting the cops called on them for no good reason, like for moving into their own apartment, for staying at an Airbnb, for golfing too slowly. It has been exhausting. Unfortunately, for any black people looking to take a nap, I got some bad news. Yale University officials say they're deeply troubled by a racially sensitive incident involving two grad students. Lalede Sayonbola, who is black, shot video of a white student who'd called campus police on her. Sayonbola had fallen asleep in the common room of their building. The other woman thought she was an intruder. Come on, man. (laughs) This white lady called the cops because she saw a black woman sleeping? Sleeping. That's literally the least threatening thing (laughs) a person can do. I mean, what did she tell the cops? Yeah, I know she's sleeping, but who knows what she could be dreaming of. (laughs) I mean, this could be dangerous. The last time they had a dream, we had to let them vote. Get over here quick. (laughs) What What are you afraid of? And the worst part is, she was sleeping because she was tired because Starbucks wouldn't sell her coffee. And you know, guys, I... Sadly, this is not an isolated incident. Just the other day, I, Trevor Noah, got the cops called on me for sleeping while I was driving. (laughs) This whole thing makes me crazy, man. I mean, only a week ago, Yale pulled Cosby's honorary degree. It's like, make up your mind, Yale. Are you for or against women sleeping? What do you want? Take your ooze and put them in my jaw. (laughs) But let's move on to some good news. Now to that breaking news, those three Americans who had been held by North Korea, they are now back in the United States. Just after 3 a.m., the three American prisoners released from North Korea stepped out of that plane and into a made-for-TV moment produced by the president himself. One saying, it's like a dream. Wow, what a happy ending. And I can see why one of these guys said it's like a dream, because one of these prisoners was taken during the Obama administration. And now he's like, wait, the apprentice guy is president? Is this a dream? (laughs) But still, but still, let's not hate. Congratulations to President Trump for getting these men freed. Yeah, and I, I honestly mean it. I mean it. Their families will be happy to have them back. Their spy agencies will also be happy to have them back. And I think we can all agree that it's a great moment. And we can also agree that Donald Trump can make a really great moment Very weird. I want to thank Kim Jong-un, who really uh, was excellent to these three incredible people. It's very early in the morning. Uh, I think you probably broke the all-time in history television rating for three o'clock in the morning, that I would say. You know, only Trump 
could be thinking about TV ratings in the middle of a hostages coming home party. I like, it's 3 a.m. Who cares about ratings? Like, does Donald Trump have a rivalry with the lady from the pasta boat infomercial? <laughs> what are you doing? It's also strange that Trump said Kim Jong-un was excellent to the prisoners. Like, it's almost like they were the hostages, but Trump is the one with Stockholm Syndrome. He was very nice, so nice, I love him. <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy that these guys are home. You know, they went through a lot. Uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse. They were forced to eat disgusting food in a cramped space where they couldn't move their arms and legs. And that was just their flight back on Spirit Airlines. <laughs> Spirit Airlines, a North Korean labor camp in the sky. <laughs> That's right, we're not playing today. But let's move on. Let's move on from people getting out of prison to people who might be headed there. Yesterday, we talked about how President Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, was secretly receiving huge payments for a number of corporations, right? Uh, a story that was first uncovered by Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' lawyer, who just, by the way, looks exactly like what a lawyer in a porno looks like. <laughs> just seems like he'd be in that scene and be like, Your Honor, if it pleases the court, then I'll keep on going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But now... But now we're learning that some of those payments were even bigger than first reported. A source told CNBC that AT&T paid Cohen now up to $600,000 as part of a consulting contract to get insight into President Trump. Pharmaceutical giant Novartis paying him more than a million dollars over the span of a year. All of the money that we have just been talking about was paid to a bank account that Cohen created in 2016 to pay off Stormy Daniels. That's right, corporations paid millions of dollars into the same shell company that Cohen then used to pay off Stormy Daniels. And right now, I can't believe that an affair with a porn star is the least scandalous part of this story. <laughs> and when you think about it, if AT&T put money into the same account that Cohen then paid Stormy Daniels from, then in a way, some of AT&T's money was used to pay off Stormy Daniels. And I'm an AT&T customer, <laughs> which means I paid off Stormy Daniels. <laughs> she better not tell any of my secrets. Although now when I look at my AT&T phone bill, I finally understand what Stormy Hush payment was for. I... <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a hurricane thing or something. I... Now it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> now... Now the big question here is, why would multi-billion dollar corporations give so much money to never call Saul over here? Because... <laughs> it turns out... It's because of what he promised. Cohen approached a pharmaceutical company called Novartis and landed a one-year deal with them, promising them access to the White House on things related to health care policy. Cohen pitched potential clients on his close association with Trump, noting that he still was the president's lawyer. He showed photos of himself with Trump and mentioned how frequently they spoke, even asking people to share news articles describing him as the president's fixer. I'm crushing it, he said, according to an associate who spoke to him in the summer of 2017. I'm crushing it. <laughs> yeah, he's explicitly bragging about selling access to the president. Like, this guy's not just a swamp creature, he's literally selling swamp tours. That's what he's doing. <laughs> and, and it's more than just a little suspicious that all of these companies desperately wanted something from Trump. Drug companies were on edge because Trump had said that he would clamp down on their pricing. Korea Aerospace Industries was bidding for a $16 billion contract with the U.S. Air Force. And as for AT&T, Trump had been publicly threatening to block its $80 billion merger with Time Warner. 
So for all of these companies, it made sense to pay Michael Cohen. Like, if you want access to the president, who else are you gonna pay? Eric? He can't get you access to Trump. <laughs> yeah. In fact, Eric was probably one of Cohen's biggest clients. He was like, hey, Michael, it's Eric. I'll give you 100 grand for my dad's phone number, please. <laughs> like, just give me the last four digits. I'll guess the other three. Come on, man. <laughs> now, the questions people are gonna be asking are, is Trump in on this, or was Michael Cohen running a solo side hustle? We don't know. But for now, it looks like there's a possibility that these corporations may have been conned. Novartis said, we wanted him to advise us on health care. We had one meeting with him. And oh, by the way, after that meeting, we decided that he wasn't of any use to us. But because of the nature of our contract, we then had to continue paying him $100,000 a month until the contract was over. No, it's amazing. I'm actually shocked that these major corporations got tricked by the classic Nigerian prince scam. <laughs> because if Michael Cohen had pitched them in an African accent, they would have seen this coming from a mile away. Just think about it. Hello, my dear friends. <laughs> my name is Michael Cohen. I write to you with a blessed opportunity, huh? <laughs> my friend Donald Trump is soon to be president. And if you permit me my desire to send me $1.2 million, I promise to make you very, very rich, huh? <laughs> we'll be right back. Tonight is a Democratic congressman from Texas who serves on both the House Foreign Affairs Committee and Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Please welcome Congressman Joaquin Castro. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's talk about the news that just broke today. You and your fellow Democrats on the House Select Intelligence Committee released about 3,500 Facebook ads today showing how Russian agents bought ads to try and create, uh, you know, conflict around the 2016 election. Uh, there were many ads, for instance, around the Super Bowl and Beyonce that they bought which is insane. Like, they were trying to break us apart using Beyonce. That's the biggest scandal, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest scandals. At right. Least. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. They were basically trying to pour acid on every wound in American politics. So if you look at those ads, and actually not everything has been released because there's a whole cache of videos also. But, you know, it was uh, anti-Black Lives Matter and pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-cop, anti-cop, uh, pro-Hispanic, anti-Hispanic. Right. It was really trying to cut people up every single way that you could. Um, and I can't help but think that it basically exacerbated a lot of the tensions in a way that helped Donald Trump get elected. Right, and, and many people say America is more divided now than ever before. There's no doubt that Facebook has played a role in this. Do you think that it is now up to Facebook or up to Congress to find a solution to this problem? Do you say no political ads on Facebook or do you say that political ads have to be curated? How does this problem begin to get solved? Well, I think it's actually both. I think it's on Facebook and on Congress. But one of the things that they have to do that's not required, actually, 
in political advertising on social media is that on social media, when you post a political ad, you don't have to say who's paying for it right now. You know, if you go look at a campaign sign uh, or a television ad, you know, right, where people right, right. say, I approve this message. Right. There's none of that on Facebook. So that would be an easy first step so that we can actually see who's paying for this stuff. Right. Just create some accountability so people know where it's coming from. Russia seems to be a story that doesn't leave the news. You know, some people think it's over-exaggerated. Uh, others feel like it's not, it's not thought of as being serious enough. We recently found that Michael Cohen, Trump's personal lawyer, has been receiving payments uh, from corporations. And one payment he received was from a company that's linked to a Russian oligarch who's right. close to Vladimir Putin. On a scale of 1 to 10, how shady is that? Uh, it's about a 12. I mean, it's like... <laughs> This guy is about as shady as you can get. Right. I mean, he basically has made his career a sacrifice fly. You know, Devin Nunes, but also Michael Cohen uh, for the president. Right. I mean, this is somebody who, uh, and, you know, we did the interview of him uh, several months ago, uh, but you could tell that there was something that he wasn't telling us. Right, right, and right. And as all this stuff is coming out, I mean, it's clear that there are a lot of things wrong with this guy. When you, when you um, made a statement about this, you tweeted uh, that AT&T and Novartis, two of the companies who had paid Michael Cohen, should come before Congress and explain these payments. You're saying this is clearly them, you know, it reeked of influence peddling. It, could you help explain to me, to maybe help me understand, what is the difference between this and lobbying? Because I've, I've always thought of lobbying as corruption, so I don't understand what the difference is between what they were doing yeah. with Michael Cohen and what lobbying is. I mean, well, the easiest thing to say is, look, you know, for example, Novartis put out a statement saying that they were paying Michael Cohen for health care uh, counseling or, right. or consulting. The guy has no background in health care. Uh, absolutely zero knowledge about health care. So why are you paying him $250,000 or whatever it was that they paid him. Right. It makes no sense. Right. But what is the difference between that and lobbying is what I'm saying. Well, I think, well, usually, I mean, these folks have to register, right? So uh -huh. we know that you're accepting the money. We know what clients you're taking on. And usually when you're getting paid to lobby, it's because you have an expertise in the field. So, so. Would, would you say then the only difference really is, is that one is formalized and the other one isn't? And is that, is that the big difference? Uh, they, that's certainly the biggest difference. Right. Sure. If we, if we talk about um, your Republican counterparts on the committee, uh, they also announced about Russia. They said, hey, we found no collusion. This issue is done and done, and we're, 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 over, we're over this. The Democratic committee has said, we're not done yet. We still want to talk to some people. We still have evidence to, to release. Has it become so politicized that the eventual answer of this Russia investigation is not going to mean anything? I hope not. I mean, the House investigation got really politicized. Devin Nunes, who is the chairman has basically been working in service to the president. Um, and, you know, and so, yeah, things basically went off the rail with right. the House investigation. But you still have the Senate investigation and a lot more bipartisanship there. And Bob Mueller, of course, who's the only person in this whole thing that can prosecute anybody for a crime, right. his investigation seems to be on track. Right. Um, moving on to immigration, you have been uh, a champion for many dreamers. You've been a champion for many immigrants who moved to America who are trying to start a new life. Uh, the issue of DACA has been one that has been plaguing both dreamers and I would argue the United States as a whole. President Trump passed the problem on to Congress and many say rightfully so because this is an issue that should be voted on. The president shouldn't decide it. Why does it seem like it's such a difficult issue? Republicans are just saying they want money for the border wall. Why don't Democrats just say, okay, fine, have your money for the border wall and let's get these dreamers where they deserve to Yeah, be. you're right. I mean, I think it's a shame that, it has, that nothing has happened. There is actually some light that may be at the end of the tunnel. 
this week, 18 Republicans finally signed on to what's called a discharge petition. Right. And if we get to 25 Republicans with all the Democrats, then even though Paul Ryan doesn't want to put the bill on the floor for a vote, he would be forced to give us a vote on this bill. Uh, so that's actually something that's promising and could happen as early as next week. That's really exciting. And when you, when you talk to your constituents, as someone who's in Texas, I believe if my numbers are correct, there's, there are about 100,000 dark and roll dreamers in, in Texas. Yeah, 120,000. 120,000. Do these people, like, do, is the community accepting as well? Do your constituents go, no, we, we want these dreamers to be here. We want to give them the life that they were promised. Yeah, I mean, even in what is considered a red or conservative state like Texas, you still have over 75% support for dreamers. Right. Uh, you know, and I always remind folks that there is a scarier day in America than the day when everybody wants to come here that's the day when nobody wants to come here. Right. Uh, you know, so we're very blessed that people from all over the world have wanted to come here and lend their hard work and their talent to succeeding, but also making this a better country. And it's interesting that you bring up the Republicans, because one thing I've always been impressed, impressed about is how you have been known as the person who reaches across the aisle. You find ways to work with Republicans who you may disagree with. What, what is your secret? Is it cupcakes? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, there's a ba the backstory to that is that basically, yeah, I got elected to the Texas legislature when I was 28, and I'm 43 now, but in all of those years, I've always been in the minority party. I've never existed in the majority party. Now, I believe that's going to change next year. I think Democrats are going to win back the House of Representatives. <laughs> You know, I also think that, that we're going to finally win a Senate seat. I think Beto O'Rourke will beat Ted Cruz in that Senate race in 2018. Wow. That's my prediction. Um, but, yeah, so, so when you're the minority party, actually, you can't beat the other side with numbers. Right. You can't just run people over with numbers because you don't have the numbers on your side. So it forces you to learn how to work with people that you don't necessarily agree with and they don't agree with you. Right. But you try to find common ground on some things. This is something that you've extended to not just your fellow lawmakers but also um, voters. You've been holding dissenter town halls, which yeah. I find a fascinating concept. What you basically do is you hold a town hall, but specifically for people who don't like yeah. you and don't agree with that's you. That's right. Have you never heard of Twitter? You can do that there. <laughs> no, that's actually, that's what inspired me. Look, every day I would get these messages. I mean, people calling you every name in the book. Right, right. right. On Twitter, on Facebook, sometimes on Instagram, by email, by phone, everything. And I finally said, you know what? And a lot of times, sometimes they put their actual name. Right. But oftentimes people don't. Right. And I said, you know what? Why don't we just, why don't I just invite all these folks and actually hear them out in person and give them a chance to tell me what they want to tell me. And so a few weeks ago, we did that. And, you know, it was about an hour and a half, two hours, and uh, they let me have it, pretty much. But, but when you have this conversation, are there people who walk away going, I think differently, or is it just a forum for people to shout? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anybody walked away saying, hey, I'm going to vote for you now, but I do think that they respect that you took the time to actually sit there and they know that I'm gonna stand up for what I believe, but then I'm also gonna explain why I believe it, and I'm gonna to listen to people even when we disagree. Right. I think every representative, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, owes that to the people they represent. And is there any one person who came to that event who maybe changed you a little bit? Yeah, no, I mean, hearing other people's perspective, that's the thing, like, you can get so caught up in just right. either hearing from or listening to the people that agree with you, um, and, you know, you're grateful for those folks, too, but you can get so caught up in that bubble 
that you don't consider the other side enough. So yeah, of course, there are times where listening to the other side, listening to people in my district, it makes me think twice on some issues. You've been in the game for a long time, but you're still a young man. It's exciting to see where you're gonna go. Thank you so much Thank for being you, on the Joe. show. Thank you, Joe. Congressman Joaquin Castro, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.